Father, as we acknowledge our sinfulness, may we be drawn even more to your grace as we recognize your arms are wide open to receive us in love as you direct us who you call us to be. Thank you for loving us so thoroughly and providing a way, a way of your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. As we worship this morning, I am so intrigued with Paul's ability to communicate to us in many different ways about this incredible opportunity that we have to receive the blessings of being completely enveloped in the the grace of God, of being able to connect with the creator of the universe in real and powerful ways. This morning we'll be looking at the beginning of Romans 6 as we look at how Paul is, one of the ways that Paul is communicating to us of how we can receive this amazing opportunity that is available to us. You see, as one embraces this gift that's available to us to connect with the, the creator of the universe, someone that we can call daddy, our heavenly father, that as we embrace that, there's something that happens to us. There is something that happens to us that is beyond us just changing our morality or changing a lifestyle, but it is a transforming power of God that actually changes who we are and changes our identity in a real and powerful way as we embrace that. So let's peek in here as Paul is writing to the Romans in 6, starting with verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For as we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So as we look at this incredible metaphor, as Paul uses an example of baptism to recognize what is, what is going on in a person's life. And baptism certainly wasn't new to Paul. Um, John the Baptist beckoned those to come to the Jordan River to repent and believe. And as people did that, that also wasn't the first time that 
baptism was being utilized. Archaeologists have found that there was a group of, um, a Jewish group of people, and they're not mentioned in the scriptures. In the scriptures, we have Sadducees and Pharisees and others, but there were also a group that lived out in the wilderness. Um, they were the Essenes. And the Essenes practiced baptism. And through archaeology, um, they see that they had baptismals that they had created to practice baptism. They're also the group of people, just FYI, who had the, the, the scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they copied those and stored those away as the Roman Empire was taking over. So we have the privilege of the Dead Sea Scrolls because of the Essenes, who also practiced um, baptism as well. But as we look at this incredible metaphor of baptism, I see three different things that Paul is bringing to light here to help us really understand, and not only understand with our heads, but understand with our lives and how we live our lives, to understand the power that Christ can have in our lives as we strive to pursue him. But to be able to do this and to really grasp the depths of this gift that God has given to us, the first thing to look at, I think, is the shape of our spiritual slavery. And Paul once again used here as an example of slavery. And also remember, um, our minds first off often goes to slavery, thinking about the type of slavery that we had here in the United States. But Paul is talking about a Roman type of slavery that actually um, pe- that was not based on someone's ethnicity and not, was not always something that was a lifetime commitment, but was an, an opportunity for people to get out of debt. Very often, someone could choose that, and as you read farther down in 6, you'll see about this choice of slavery, and for us, like, what's that mean? But if someone, remember, had a great debt, they could choose to submit themselves to another person to be able to pay off that debt for a certain period of time. Well, we ourselves, as we're living our lives, have an opportunity to understand that sin in our lives is something that leads to death, that we need to escape from that trap that it has gotten us in. And in your own life, have you recognized um, parts of your life that you have been working on and thinking about that you know is, is unhealthy that is actually destructive for you and people around you but you've had trouble getting rid of that maybe this that has been part of your life has been with you for so long that you've just become accustomed to it you expect it to always be there see God wants to work with you and God wants to come into your life so that you can be empowered to give 100% to God. And I remember as a 16-year-old committing my, my life to Christ and saying, God, you've got everything. And at that moment in time, in my mind, I gave everything to God. But it was within 24 hours that I realized I had this selfish neighbor, selfish part of me that liked to hold things back. And that there's some things that I was willing to surely hand over to God fully but these other areas that I was holding on to there were areas of my life that I wanted to be selfish with there were areas of my life that I wasn't willing to do a full commitment and over time God has been working with me on those things convicting me challenging me 
for my own benefit to turn all of those fully over to God. One of the biggest ones was my career and understanding where God was calling me to a new direction to live in my life that I continued to hang on to and wanting to go my own way and not the direction that God surely was calling me. So we can be shaped by the sin that we allow to remain in our lives. And we can be shaped in directions that direct us away from God. And even though we make a commitment to God, we have to be very careful to recognize that this is a process, that commitments to God is something that we continually need to allow ourselves to experience every day and to recognize that if we're really open and honest, that there's parts of our lives that we still need to turn over to the redemptive power of God so that he can bring a healing and changing into that aspect. You see, for Paul, there were two types of people, those who were fully surrendering to God every day and those who were not, and very cleanly distinguishes those. And as we recognize our lives, are we every day allowing ourselves to fully understand the negative impact of sin and selfishness impact on our lives that ultimately leads to death. And so that's one of the first things I think it's important to us to recognize. Two, it's vital that we understand our oneness with Christ. You see, as we acknowledge the sin in our lives and we thank God for coming into our lives and his spirit to begin that work in our lives, that this is something that is so powerful and so transforming of who we are that we can actually recognize that our past that is behind us is not what God sees. That as we enter in through this process of redemption and change, that the past in our lives, the only that counts against us is what is in Jesus's past. You see, we are given this gift that our past is not our own, but our past is the past of Jesus. And so we have this freedom from this sin that leads to death, and we have this freedom that is given to us. And so our oneness with Christ is a powerful understanding. But you see, very often we may recognize Sure, we all have growing points and we have areas of our life that we can improve on. That's not what I'm talking about. You see, we have areas and those things are easy to work on. We may, I recognize in my own life that there's things I need to work harder on and improve on. And Randy may be doing Randy effort to try to make Randy better in that improvement. That's not what I'm talking about at all. What I'm talking about is completely surrendering and allowing life change to happen as I surrender to God through that process. Because here's, here's what we want to happen. And C.S. Lewis, um, in one of his works, comments on this in this way. It's like when we have a, a house, and Lisa and I as homeowners, we recognize there's things around the house that we need to improve, to fix up, to make better. Things in the house, things around the yard, landscaping, etc. And then we have this priority to do these things to make the house better. Meanwhile, as we're chiseling away at, at doing things that need to be done around the house, God has created this mansion for us that we can move into. And as we 
Now, I'm not just talking about that heavenly room that we have in God's house when we enter those pearly gates. I'm talking about that we have an opportunity now to move from our junky place of our life into this transformed new place. And as we make that transition of moving from the fixer-upper to the place that is completely done and finished, that as we move into this new house, we can take a deep breath and experience the joy of a new way of living and a new way of being. You see, God does not want to have you be a fixer-upper. He has a new place, a new way of living, a new body in Christ that he wants you to be a part of. That's understanding our oneness and unity with Christ. And then as we experience these two things, we understand our own shape because of sin in our life. We recognize our own oneness with Christ. The third way is to understand our new identity in Christ. And as we understand that, and Paul mentions this at the very beginning um, in verse 6, he says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we will no longer be slaves to sin. And then recognizing that we have this opportunity to be completely new, to completely be transformed by, by how Christ is calling us. And this process of becoming new isn't something that happens completely and just automatically. You see, we have to continually submit to that. In verse 11, he says in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. Think about that. Paul is telling us to always remember and that we need to count our old lives as dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus. So living out daily this new identity and always embracing that, that I am a daughter of God, I am a son of God, in this very moment. And that as I recognize my, my being, who God has called me to be, this new creature, this new creation in him, that we can take a deep breath and just experience the grace and power of God and to recognize that when, because of our human nature, we mess up, that the grace of God is there as God beckons us and warmly reminds us, keep on coming. You are a new creature, and your past is the past of Christ. And keep moving forward in me as that new creature who is dead to sin but alive in Christ. So it's a very important point to always that we remember who we are and not allow the evil one to keep pointing us back to our past failures and our past mistakes. You see, who we commit to and what we commit to is an incredibly important spiritual matter, not just a matter of what we do. And so for me and my own understanding of life, I recognize that baptism is a symbol of that. And I know different churches have different ideas of exactly what does that mean and what does it look like. So for our church family, we see baptism as an opportunity that as God calls us into his, the power of his loving arms and commitment to him, that when we do that, 
we let the world know that this has been going on in our life and this transformation has happened by symbolically doing what Paul is talking about here. That as one enters into those waters and then goes under that water, that that represents death. It represents Christ's death on the cross. It represents our own understanding of death, of sin in our lives, in our old self. And then as one comes up out of that water, that's representing the resurrection of Christ and the power of the resurrection. And it also represents our new life in Christ. And that through this resurrection power, that death no longer has sting. Death no longer has control over us and who we are. And as we recognize daily that this power of God is available and ready, and that as we understand this process, that we are continually being made new. And whatever we have done that is behind us, we don't have to feel guilt about that anymore. We can continue to move forward. But at the same time, and this is one of the, the struggles, I think, that as human beings, as a church family, it is so easy to understand the basics of this, but then when we gather together in a, a small group or when we gather together as the body or meeting together as friends, you know, understanding this redemptive power of Jesus, that whenever we do have a struggle, that we don't want to admit that. We kind of want to hide that because we want to say, yes, Jesus and I are great right now and we're doing awesome. You know, and when we, we share testimonies of what God has done in our life, it's so easy that we point out for someone who has had victory of some major sin in their life and they've overcome that and we give thanks to Jesus for that and that's great but isn't it an awesome testimony to say guys I'm really struggling right now and there's parts of my life that I'm really struggling with that I'm having really worries about and I'm not releasing that the way to God the way that I should I can use your prayerful support in that. To me, that's an just as important testimony as we share that we recognize that we're dealing with some um, sin in our lives that leads to death. We have other struggles. And for me, that is the authentic Christian who is recognizing that there is sin and it's real, but I'm allowing God to come in and transform my life. And God's working on that, and I'm working with God, but right now it's a struggle, and I'm in the midst of that. As we can come together and share the authenticity of understanding that this is a continual battle that we deal with, and this is something that we struggle and recognize that as we make that decision to begin that journey with God, it is a journey. And that as we make that decision, initial decision to be a follower of Christ and, and follow through with baptism, that's not our destination. I love one of our former pastors used the example of that, that, that beginning that relationship with God is not your destination. That's a departure. That's the beginning of a journey. And your destination is yet to come. And so we're all on this journey together in Christ and it is powerful, it is transforming, and it is wonderful, and we are called to it, but none of us have ended that journey yet. And so we're all in a position where we're growing, reflecting, 
being challenged by God, challenged by each other. And as we are on that journey together, if we allow God to continually work in our lives, then hopefully every day we're, we're closer to being that person that God's calling us to be. But it's okay that we're not there yet. It's also important to recognize that we have to be patient and graceful with each other as well because we are all people living in this brokenness with our own broken selves and broken world that we live in. But that's the beauty of the gift that we have been given. This beauty of being able to come together in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our sin, to point to Jesus and say, that's my way out. That's my salvation. That's how I'm going to be who God is calling me one day is because of Jesus. Not because of the work that I've done or that I'm trying to do, but because of the work that has already been done by Jesus on the cross. So as we continue to embrace that and understand that and understand that identity that I'm a child of God and that I have oneness with Christ and that, yes, there is, shit, there is sin that has shaped me and that I am turning that over to God, it's a powerful place to be. And each time we experience and, and see baptism, that's a continued reminder of that regenerative work that is always going on by the Spirit. So this morning, I want you to think about, are there areas of your life that you're holding back to God, that you're holding on to because you've become accustomed to that, or because that you are um, just not ready to tackle that? I want to challenge you this morning to be willing to 100% turn over everything. I titled this message, Killing Randy, because of recognizing I'm always striving in process to recognize there's areas of, of my life that I need to kill off. Selfish parts of me that I need to turn over to God so that I can fully be who God is calling me to be this morning. Do you feel that in your own life? Do you feel there's areas that you're holding on to, that you're not fully releasing to the power of God to come in to regenerate your life, do it. You won't regret it. And then tell someone. You can come up and share with me. You can share with people within the kingdom of God that are important to you. But it's important that we dialogue and share with each other. That's one reason I love our connection groups is because that's an incredible place to come together to be real and share what's going on in here with the rest of the group and allow the grace of God to come in and bless. Dear Heavenly Father, as we recognize our sin, as we recognize, Heavenly Father, the, the opportunities that you have with unity with you, as we recognize our new identity that we have in you, God, as we recognize these things, we just thank you for your holiness and what you call us to be. But God, give us hearts that are fertile for your spirit to come in and transform so that we can fully hand everything over to you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.